Hi and welcome to Nuance Podcast with Logan and Yuja, where we seek to develop a space of vitality for nuanced discussion about fundamental principles of human connection. Our message is to think of and for yourself, to accept others and their thoughts, and to empower each other. Follow us as we follow our curiosity and enjoy the episode. I just wanted to start by acknowledging that we did not post last week. No. And there is a reason for that. Uh, We did record an episode for last week when as we began the we recorded two episodes we did we actually did record twice and uh when we were going back through the editing process we realized that it was kind of missing the mark of where we wanted to take this podcast so what we did instead was we we took last weekend and used it as a a time to write up and structure and reevaluate where we are and where we want to take um nuance as a podcast and we kind of established some ground rules and some and some structure for us. So that's basically the reason why there's been a delay in posting a fourth episode. Yeah, to uh, all of our thousands of fans. To the millions of people out there that are <laughs> hanging on our every word. <laughs> At the edge of their seats waiting. Um, but look, I'd rather just try and keep it transparent from the start so that um, we have a good precedent. Mm-hmm. Um, We're human after all. We're not perfect. That's absolutely right. Uh, so here we are for the fourth episode. We went out to dinner the other night. Mm. So we're going to start this with a bit of an anecdote. So we went out to dinner the other night and it was nice getting outside and going and sitting in a, I think, it was, I believe it was a pub. Interesting. You believe it was a pub. <laughs> it was really nice putting a pair of heels on that yeah. I haven't worn for over a year. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice seeing you doll yourself up a little bit. That sounds really bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, because I know how much it means to you being able to do that. <laughs> um, I looked that bad. No, no. You know, well, you couldn't even I mean. recognize me when I put makeup on. God, this podcast is about having good conversation. I really just butchered that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it, was, it was nice being able to sort of resume that, that normalcy with going out. Mm. Um, what wasn't normal, however, was the adaptation that they've done to the the way you are served so we went into the the pub and as per usual now the contact tracing is the norm so you have to use the the qr scanner on your phone scan that and then sign your name and, and number and whatnot in so they can check in yep. yep keep tabs on who's gone into the into the pub but they've also now put their menu on the phone as well and they've removed the waiter waitress role altogether, pretty much. So, setting that context, I wanted to ask you about, uh, as from the perspective of an of a ex waitress, mm-hmm. where a big part of your job, and I know one that you definitely was important to you as part of that role, um, was the human interaction that you would have with the patron. Now that that seems like it's going to be a thing of the past. How, how do you feel now when you go out to a, a pub or a restaurant to eat and that interaction's gone? That's awful. I, I felt so uncomfortable not being able to communicate and converse with the waiter and waitress and because, I mean, there's also less staff working because now that you don't have to be um, given water or menus and kind of give you the specials, everything's on the men- everything's on the phone. And the thing is, you don't go out anymore to um, converse. You go out to look at your phone pretty much for about how, how, like 40%, 50% of the time. 
because you're ordering and you're logging in and you're trying to figure it out and you're scanning and everyone's on their phones. And like, where where has it, human interaction gone? I loved communicating with the patrons and I loved learning about people and communicating and just talking and having a conversation about anything and everything and building there's a reason why that person went to the cafe and it was to get away from certain things and it's also just to enjoy you're there to serve them and give them an experience that experience has been moved and changed to technology and you got to do it now I want to highlight that point because it was something that I used to really appreciate uh, when you would talk about your role as a waitress, yeah. is that you took it seriously mm. because I know that there's a lot of people that have served me before when I've gone out that are just like, I'm here to clock in some time and get some paper. Yeah. Uh, you, on the other hand... Oh, oops, sorry. <laughs> Got to pop the phone on silent. <laughs> um, you, on the other hand, were about providing an experience for the patrons, mm. for the people that were paying customers. Yeah. And it wasn't just about giving them food that they ordered. It was about creating an atmosphere for them and developing a, a relationship between you and, and the customer. And I, I loved hearing you talk as much as you necessarily, it wasn't the job for you. <laughs> no. You took it seriously for what it was. I did. I, I really wanted to take from it what I needed to. My confidence in, before I was a waitress, my confidence in kind of, communicating with people and being confident to even start a conversation was pretty low. So I um, I started to just take the opportunity as it was. And I actually learned so much more about myself, about others. And then I realized my job is actually, it's not just, you know, taking someone's order, putting it into the system and then giving them their food. You provide a whole service because when they complain, you got to deal with them. Computer doesn't deal with them. They You deal with them. And if you give them a really good experience of how you manage that um, that complaint or that whatever what's, whatever's going on, they respect you a little bit more and then they will come back. You, you want returning customers and most of that, that happens when you give good service, when you provide an experience for someone. I know that's definitely for me if I've gone, even if it's not hospitality, like if I haven't gone to a cafe or whatever to eat, if I've gone to even just retail. Yeah. And you, you go into a shop and You're providing the, a service. the shopkeeper is really friendly, is fantastic, makes you laugh, you have a good conversation with them, develop a little bit of a of a, of a bond. Yeah, with relationship. The shop. Regardless of whether you actually want anything that's in the shop, you're more likely to buy their wares because yeah. you like the person that has just you've had the interaction with. Yeah. And it is so important to and, have and that. And you don't mind spending the money. Exactly. Because it's more about the connection and the relationship than it is about how much money you spent. That's ultimately Because then it, becomes, it changes. Yeah. It changes what whatever you've bought. It changes the meaning of that. And you start actually appreciating what you just bought, even if you don't need it. You end up using it, and that relate the relationship with that item yeah. is actually suddenly special yeah. in a way. And it can remind you of a really pleasant interaction that you have with someone because that that stuff stays with you. Yeah, well, a really I, good chat we have with this person. You remember it. Remember it. I always re- went out of my way, or you know, I learnt how to kind of go out of my way to make people's day. You know, because it's like. The people in business suits and they're coming in, they're walking in and they've got a glum. They're like, oh, fuck, I just, I gotta do my work. Again, just gotta get my coffee. Can't wait for my coffee. They rely on that bit of uh, joy to get them through the day. 
So I, what do I do? I go out of my way to learn their name, build a relationship. So when they do come, it's a little nicer and their day's a little bit brighter. And it doesn't, it's not just the coffee. It's you change their mood, you affect, you impact you influence them and you influence their day. And I noticed that as I built more and more trust between me and the returning patrons. No, not just returning the people that just worked yep. around, but you learn about them. They respected that. Like, oh my gosh, I, you've been, you've known my name for so long. I didn't even, I didn't even think to ask what your name is. What is it? You build a relationship. Because you feel special as a customer when you go somewhere and the, whoever's running the shop where there is a cafe and you yeah. go there and they know you by name. And you, you love it. They know your order. Yep. They, it's you have a, a comfortable relationship with that. That's person. what I also started doing. I remembered what their coffee order was. Was and you make the you make the transaction about more than just them giving you money and you providing them with coffee. Yeah, I do. It was, but it was a whole experience, and it was for me too. It wasn't just, it wasn't just about the customer. It was about me and my service and what I provided. It gave me confidence. It's that. You know, we don't have that anymore. Now we've mm. got tech, you know, our phones. Well, that's that's probably the next thing I wanted to go into now that a lot of the menu ordering is, or well, I know at this, at this particular pub it was, and I'm sure it's something that will end up spreading throughout a lot of hospitality um, stores. Well, we've been to two places and both of them had that. So. Yeah, the online QR code. And I don't know about the menu. I think the first place we went oh, to had was, a paper yeah. menu, but I'm sure the online menu is going to be something that will eventually permeate much of the hospitality industry mm. all in the name of contact tracing and yeah. and keeping us safe um so what i wanted to ask you was when you were a waitress yeah. how did you feel when you would see tables of people on their phones oh it was annoying i was like oh you go out to to meet each other and you're waiting for your food you talk for five minutes and the next minute you're both on your phone mm. And it's, it's like, what's the point of going out? You might as well have just stayed home and had a Skype chat. But now, like... Because I, I don't know, for me personally, if I if I was getting self-conscious about it, because, you know, you'd come home and tell me stories about, yeah. you know, you had entire <laughs> tables of, you know, you had entire families that were sitting at the table That's and what, on their phones as soon was, as they sat down. There was a whole family. And I, I was blown away. Mm. I was like, what, like, mother, husband, like, they had three kids yeah. and then they had their auntie or whoever else with them. Every single one of them was on their phone. Yeah. Even the kids, they all had phones. And I'm just, I didn't even know whether to go up to them and ask, like, was, was, am I interrupting you? Like, what? Yeah. what's going on? Like, what, is this something that's happened? No. Because it's like that you've just taken what you do at home and you just brought it to a different location. So it's like, what's the, yeah. Because yeah. so, I got really conscious about it. I'd go to a cafe because I wanted to go out, like you said, for the experience. You know, there's other people that are sitting in and, eating at the cafe and you kind of go to be a part of that atmosphere and if you've got a good enough vibe at the place if it's a nice if it's decked out um, the decor is really nice like the cafe you worked out was lovely on the inside it was a timber clad little lodge yeah, style like with like a nice lodge. fireplace in the middle yeah it was yeah. it was lovely it was out of place amongst all the car yards and some <laughs> fields but beautiful little um uh little building and so you go to be a part of that sort of atmosphere and listen to the you don't listen into conversations but you're just the general like conversation white noise in the background um so i'd be really conscious about flicking my phone out and just sitting on my phone rather than just taking in where i am mm. and what i'm there for um particularly when you're with somebody else too and i know because like i said you you come home and tell me about all these people that just get on their phone straight away but you notice it too when you go out and you sit down somewhere yeah like what's the point of coming out to a cafe if you're just going to sit there on your phone mm. 
And you're not going to communicate with whoever it is yeah, that you're there like, with. What, 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 if you're on your phone because you guys are like, there's something that you're checking, fair enough. But when you're there for like the whole 40 minutes to an hour sitting there on your phone, I'm like, what? Yeah, just take, take, go take away, go home. And like, I don't, under, I just, it, I never understood it. Yeah. Like I always tried to distract them. Like there was another thing I tried to do. Uh, I'd be like, oh, you know, we've also got this and how do you like your coffee and this and blah, blah, blah. And I just try to add a little bit more to their experience or I'd just something to kind of snap them out of. But I mean, you know, I couldn't be there the whole time, obviously, but I'd start a conversation. I'd be like, oh, I love your shoes just to to maybe get them focusing on where they are mm. rather than I don't I just don't understand why you'd go out and be on your phone be on your phone with you someone you have yeah, you might as yeah. well just stay home it doesn't make sense but now yeah, well that's the thing right so we phones obviously become more and more and more and more of a like a like attached to you as it like attached to people and like ourselves included they've, well you can't go anywhere they've become a, a more and more prominent tool in our lives now that it's like it's a it's a source of anxiety if you don't know where your phone is and you don't have it on you if you're out somewhere it's but literally like attached to you now and i think we were getting to a point before covid though where pete where the, the general mood towards how much we rely on our phones and technology was shifting a little bit yeah. and people did seem to start to want to put their phone away or leave phones at home. Yep. We were, I think, I feel like we were collectively waking up to how detrimental phones were starting to be to our social health. Um, and, and then obviously social media with mental health and a whole lot of those things yeah. that had a negative impact on our health. And we start, I think I did, I do think we started to open back up to normal human, like face-to-face interaction. interaction. But then, unfortunately, COVID has happened, and then in the in the in the wake of COVID, as part of the measures for keeping everybody safe, now you it's like you, you actually don't seem to be able to go out without having your phone on you now. But you can't you can't go out with having your phone because you need to check in to wherever you go. Exactly. You need you know you need your phone for ID. You need your wallet for ID. Because now, like we recognise that phones and just being on our phones is, is not a healthy thing when it comes to socializing but now you literally cannot go to a place where you're supposed to socialize i.e a pub to sit down and have a meal with people without having your phone because as soon as you sit down now you have to have checked in and you need to whip your phone out and order order from the the online menu which takes you a while because you're trying to figure out how to use the whole system because it's new and just cutting out that interaction with the waiter i flagged down um a waiter and yeah. I said, Hey, can I, how do I order a beer? Like, I don't want to do it online. Can I order from you? Yeah. Can I, can I order from you walking past? He's like, Oh, do you know about the online thing? Yada, yada. I'm like, I'd rather not. And he took a step back as well. <laughs> yeah. Really nervous. Yeah. Like, poor, poor guy. Like, I, yeah, I feel, I, I feel it for them. No. They're easy. I just don't want to be complicit in letting this become normal. Yeah. And I know that it's ultimately it's not going to make a difference what I think um, or even what I do. But I at least it's don't want to feel like I played a role or I was, I just allowed it to happen without yeah, right. putting up some kind of fight against it, if that makes sense. Uh, about the actual process. Of yeah. Time. Yeah, that. Okay. It, make, it makes me uncomfortable that I can't have an interaction with somebody um, in order to get my food. But it, it's not even just an interaction with someone. It's their job. It was their job. It was their job. Knowing that a waitress and a, or a waiter, a waitress and waiter have now lost pretty much what their role means and why they were there in the first place. 
that's gone now. Yeah. That's sad. The whole, the whole like, con- like the, what do you call it? The crux of you as a waitress, what your, what was important to you about your work. It's been removed. Has, is gone. Mm. Oh, it was gone at this particular pub. And like I said, I'm sure it's going to sweep across hospitality in general. I think we've been in lockdown for so long now that we've gotten used to a particular way of life and it's become it's become a somewhat of a social convention to have a mask to social distance to accept what is being what the government is putting in place um but i genuinely kind of going back to sort of the point we were we were uh, getting to before about social connection and the social connection is, is being broken down slowly throughout this pandemic yeah um to the point now where yeah there's no proper service between waiters and patrons we're just conducting so much of our social lives on our phones now mm. um, and it's it's genuinely breaking down communication human interaction yeah in general and that's what's making me quite mm. it does make me un, it, ma- it, makes it makes me nervous me, and uncomfortable it really ma- it makes me uncomfortable too it makes a lot of people uncomfortable that was one of the reasons that we started this yeah uh, was to try and just get back to those what communication's about and sitting across from someone and having a discussion mm. and mm. having uh, just uh, just communicating more effectively something throughout covid what what has been generated is a definite divide a split particularly in victoria and around the world um on where we stand as far as the covid situation and the response to it goes and i'm just using this as an example because it's the most prominent one that we have at the moment because we are or we have been isolated from each other, a lot of the communication has been relegated to over the phone instead of or over text instead of face-to-face. And it's not our fault. It's just Skype too. Yeah, it's just been the way that it's, it's played out and what we've had to do. When it comes to how we generally feel as individuals about where society has gotten to at this point in time with COVID, there is a divide between whether it's been handled properly or whether it's been handled poorly. And they've become very big points of contention, uh, I know, with us, with loved ones and other people in our circles. And it's, an, it's, it is a conversation that, although it's a difficult one to have, it's a really important one that we do have so that we can share ideas with each other and we can share uh, opinions and allow ourselves to be heard and allow other, to be, other people to be heard. Because it is happening. Because it, everyone's experiencing, everyone's going yeah. through it. In some, some way, shape or form. Everyone on the planet is experiencing this. Yeah. So why doesn't anyone want to talk about it? You know, we have the, we have, I don't want to interrupt you. No. But with, you know, we do get dismissed a lot when we bring up the topic and we get shut down. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, we're not pushing an agenda. We're trying to have a conversation so we can learn how to move through this with a bit of self, uh, self-empowerment through like through our own like, control in some way shape or form not just relying on our government and other people that apparently know what they're doing mm. to make decisions for us how are we going to move through in our small way in our individual way to a better version of what this is that's happening yeah and reinstate those social connections too mm. um and promoting the idea that it is pivotal it is vital that us people that aren't of the political class can join together and become a cohesive unit again because at the moment we are we are divided we're divided based on 
whether we think that the government's done a good job, whether the government hasn't done a good job. And it's really difficult to be able to actually come together and appreciate each other's company without it somehow turning into a discussion about COVID. And isn't that interesting? It's there and it's like an elephant in the room every time that you go and meet someone. We're all going through this. Through yeah. this, That's Everyone's been locked up. Yeah, so why is it so uncomfortable to talk about... Maybe it is because it's such massive change and we are, we are going to have to change something within ourselves. Well, does this play into... Are we just uncomfortable having a difficult conversation about COVID or are we generally uncomfortable about having difficult conversations? It depends, I suppose. In general. I know some people... What's it for you? I don't think it's just a COVID-specific situation. Mm. When it comes to... If we're now talking about having difficult conversations, it's not just it's not just COVID. It's, it's a tough conversation to have. Mm. Um, it's just the one that's the most prevalent at the moment. So it's the easiest one to identify. I think when it comes to confrontation, most people are not happy... Or sorry, not comfortable with confrontation. Um, people do recognize that confrontation is necessary at times because when things need to change, when something is happening that isn't, I guess, uh, gelling with the group at large or so, if something just needs to be addressed uh, because it's it's festering, then you can recognize that, all right, I need to stand up here for a second, have a difficult conversation with this person or this group mm-hmm. and see if we can come to some kind of common ground in the middle so that we everyone can be happy and we can put this situation to bed. Yeah. So I don't think it's it's not just COVID. I think it's just become another topic that's difficult that is hard to address because it is just generally hard to have those tougher conversations where you have one particular way of approaching that topic and another one ha- and someone else has... Another way of approaching it. Yeah. We still need to find a way to communicate and connect with each other because that is ultimately our um, human purpose is to connect and communicate. We're born into this world with people around us and Mm -hmm. to have a support system. We need the support system. We need we need networks, and they're being broken down. Networks they're being degraded. The yeah, our networks, our social connections are being degraded via the new uh, the restrictions and the new social conventions that we're experiencing, um, and that's what we're trying to, I guess, counteract. Because mm. um, there is something that everyone can do. Yeah, I believe. Like this is something small, but yeah. it gives us hope, and yeah. the response we've gotten so far. It's been has, awesome, yeah. Has been amazing. Yeah, really, really grateful to everyone who's reached out to us for starting this. Because it means a lot to it's, us because this is important and it's important to them too. And we do need to help each other to spread some kind of hope. Because what I, I wanted to talk about today in this podcast too, um, those diff- difficult conversations, and just having difficult conversations in general, I didn't mm-hmm. want it to necessarily become a whole thing about COVID. Yeah, no. Again, I, like I said, it's just hard because they're conversations that do need to somewhat be broached. But it's also what we're going through now. Yeah. It's re- relevant. Next week might be something different. We don't know. Exactly, yeah. Um, definitely the, the prevalence of technology being a medium through which we communicate as opposed to straight or like just straight face-to-face, um, it has broken the, the, the lines a little bit. If we were to text out this conversation to each other, we'd be sitting... We'd probably be at about the 10-minute mark of a spoken conversation. <laughs> Given all the um, the autocorrect, <laughs> oh. autocorrect things, and you, know, you got to quickly, yeah, you're, you're typing with typing. your thumbs instead of speaking to somebody. Yeah. you know, it's 
phone conversations have not only removed... And, you to, yeah, and you're rereading what you've just written. And yeah. They've re- and removed the tones. They've removed the body language. They've removed the intention behind the message that's being sent to you. And they've also slowed the conversation in general down. So communication is just being attacked left, right and center um, through using tech, through technology becoming the main um, communication port. Which is funny because technology advancing is supposed to encourage yeah, communication to help. To help. Yeah, it's, supposed to, it's supposed to help supposed bring to us quit. together. Yeah, yeah, that's it, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> it's been one of the worst things for it. It's been so unhealthy. And I think it's made it harder to have difficult conversations. Because hmm. that was definitely, that wasn't, that's another thing I really do want to sort of get into in this episode is why difficult conversations are so tough. What do we go through? What do we experience uh, when there is a difficult topic to that either is being spoken or needs to be spoken about? Mm. What do you think? It seems to, like I was saying before, confrontation is something that is difficult. It's a it's, it's hard to navigate well because you've got conflicting uh, opinions that are happening. And I don't know at what point, I don't know how, but what it seems to me happens now and it could be through crappy communication because we've gotten used to using our phones to talk um, but there has been a conflation with the opinion of the person so if someone disagrees with you and presents an opinion that you think is just totally ridiculous there's been a, a conflation in that now because I disagree with the opinion I have to disagree with the person I don't like this person because they have a particular opinion that I don't like mm. it's that, does that make sense? yeah yeah so I think maybe if that's something that is subconscious or unconscious in us at this point in time, uh, that does somewhat come to the fore, and we're we're conscious of others think using that with us. So if we were to disagree with somebody or present uh, what would could be an inflammatory opinion, then that person or that group who we are communicating that opinion to could ostracize us. Because they don't like what we've said, so they can't like us. Yeah. And this is probably going going into it a bit deep now. But no, but we have to go back to those. But ba- it's not deep; it's basic, basic mm. human connection, and what happens in a, when you're communicating with anyone and having yeah. a conversation with anyone. As soon as they pr- um, provide something or say something that you don't like, you immediately are like, "Oh, I don't like this person." Yeah, it's that kind of, or you know, instead of separating and like breaking it down to these into these little parts that you've just said, the opinion and the person. Separate the opinion and learn where that's come from. Because that's what the person, that's their experience. That's their history. There's a reason why they came to that opinion. Learn from that conversation. Learn from the discomfort. Because discomfort, ultimately, it's it's like it's a fear. It's a a fear of what is going to be the outcome of you sharing this point of view. And it's being courageous enough to move through that fear and have the conversation despite how you might be impacted by it in a negative way. Mm, courage. Um, it definitely takes courage. It's, it's hard to stand up for something that you believe strongly. But like we were saying, opinions have a foundation. If someone believes something really strongly, obviously they, for, them, for themselves, have a, a strong experience that is linked to that opinion that is forming helping them form that opinion Mm. so it's not it's there needs to be a separation of the opinion from the person yeah because that person has a lived experience that is fueling that opinion 
And it helps you though then yeah. to actually continue on with a difficult conversation. I find when I do that, uh, you can actually sit there and be like, okay, well, you know, I actually do understand why they would have this opinion. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, it doesn't mean I like them any less. Why would I like them any less? They've been in my life for X amount of time. Yeah. Even if they were a stranger, it helps you to just accept that person a little bit more. Yeah. And being like, oh, I want to know what your history is. And using that to just build some sort of relationship. If it's starting from that's your opinion, why do you believe that? And being open to what the response is going to be. Yeah. Because I think... Rather than just... We forget we forget in. that we have a lived experience that's fueling our opinions. Mm. And because we're so wrapped up in our own little bubble, our own little... We're like ignorant of other points of view because we have our point of view. You know, yeah. it's like how you get self-conscious when you go out because you think everyone's looking at you. Yeah. You know, you just <laughs> assume that, that like if, if someone's not talking to you, they must not like you. Yeah, or they... When you're waving to someone that you know on the street and they don't wave back, you have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Oh, yeah, exactly. They might not have even seen you. We make very... We make selfish <laughs> assumptions. That's like everyone's focusing on us. Like the world revolves around us because our world does revolve around us. <laughs> but we forget that there's billions of people on this planet that all have the same... Uh, all have the same <laughs> uh, point of view. If we do present something that opposes what someone else believes, then we run the risk of that person, of being rejected, especially if we're going against a group. Like if you think your family, if you're the black sheep in your family kind of thing, it's, it's hard because you need that network. You need that family support. You need the group of people around you that are going to help make your life easier. Mm. You know, everyone plays a role within a group. And once you step outside of your role within that group, how that group has perceived you and how you behave and what you think and basically just how you how you as an individual puzzle piece fit into the puzzle that is that group if you change how you approach things if you change your values if you listen to different media if you start forming different views and you start presenting that to the group then all of a sudden how they have seen you this whole time is going to that that is going to be in jeopardy and that's very difficult because you've changed and all of a sudden now... They think they have to The change. group has to change to accommodate you. Yeah. And that is jarring a lot and it can leave you feeling isolated. Because mm. they Does that make sense? don't understand, yeah. Because it, it is shocking, like, when you get to know somebody or you know someone for a period of time and then you, I guess, you know, they go home and you go home and there's a whole there's block of time, time between <laughs> you seeing that person and catching yeah. up. And you don't um, know what you guys do in that. Exactly, yeah. There's, yeah. there's that, that in that blank period of time, you're living your life, they're living theirs. Things change in your life, things change in theirs. But it's still a shock when you hear that something has so rapidly changed in their life, or there's something their something life has new. shifted so dramatically, or even just something new comes in. It doesn't even have to be a dramatic thing. It could just be yeah. one decision, and that could be to them a shock. Yeah. When it's not really a shock to you because you've known this about yourself. Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's um, perception. Which is, yeah, so when, when you change when you change and you adapt yourself and your approach to life, uh, you change the way that you fit within the group that you're part of and you run the risk of being, being ostracized and being isolated. And it's not that you're literally someone has cast you out and slammed the door in your face. It's just no. maybe the social interactions that you have within that group are more awkward um, or they don't happen at all or you are left out of things mm. because people don't agree with you. Um, you know, and, and so that's, I guess, when you stand up for something that you believe in, that you are well aware of as going against the grain of whoever it is that you communicate with, uh, that's the risk you run. And that is that, I guess, I'm not saying that that is something that happens every time you stand up for what you believe in, mm. but it, it is something that you have to overcome. Yeah. 
and a lot that's really daunting because it is confrontational. It is. And it's something deep, even deeper. I wanted to again, <laughs> I want to get a couple <laughs> of these deep things. This it speaks to the importance of having, of of knowing what you stand for too. Mm, a foundation. A foundation. Like beliefs and values. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and they change over time. See, Why do you think they change over time? Because you start you experience different things as you go on. You know, as you go through life, you know, time. You know, that every day is different. Yeah. You're experiencing different things, so you know you might have uh, a spontaneous event that occurs in your life that you've never experienced before, and what you valued and believed in before that incident or that event could totally disrupt and shift all of it not just to say that's a bad thing it's a good thing if you recognize it because then you get to stand more sure-footed in yourself and in your in your life yeah you do and events like that you can only they're never comfortable because they force change Mm. and change is never comfortable because you don't know what the outcome of change is going to be it's so funny we know that change is hard yeah but no one wants to do it. No one wants to change. But that's that's also another reason, though, that these difficult conversations are hard because you not everyone as part of a conversation is going to be willing to change and adapt to their ideas and their views. And that's when you have to learn to accept that. Yeah. Because if you know that you've made a big decision that's changed, you have to accept that, you know what, this is going to be shocking to this person or them and I have to accept that it might take a little while. I know for me personally, I was very unconscious and just going with... I, I didn't have a specific value system. I didn't have anything that I really believed in, um, like philosophically, about how life works and what is imp- what is actually important and what to be aware of when living. I didn't have a, a something that was hard, like was steadfast. That, exactly, that I could, I could vet my experience mm. via. Yeah. Because I think that's something that is really super important is to have a value structure and something that you do believe in because then when you're faced with decisions or you're faced with situations at some point in your life, you get to vet your response, how you're going to response, respond to them, how you approach the situation. You get to run that through your own personal value system that you've created. I think that's a sense of maturity though. When you haven't, uh, when there's when you get experience of life a bit more and that then provides a so-called awakening to beliefs and values and how important they are and better understanding of how important it is to have a foundation or a blueprint yeah. to use as you go through challenges and experiences in your life. Absolutely. And I think when you've got two people in a conversation that even if they're both disagreeing, but you've got two people that have a strong foundation and are passionate about what they believe in, that's where you can have some really awesome conversations because I think you can both recognize that both both parties here are coming from a, the, a collection of histories and both of their opinions and views are fueled by the past experiences, mm. whatever it is that, the, that both parties have consumed as individuals before having this conversation and has shaped their opinion. And there can be a, a great respect for that and the opinions can truly then be supported out in the battleground of, of a debate. <laughs> and that's, that's what it, I guess it sh- needs to be. It needs to be about that. And we need to have debate. We need to have discussions. We need to have these hard conversations because everyone can have an opinion about something. Mm. And those opinions need to be tested. Yeah. They, they do need to be tested by facing an opponent 
like anything. Because what that does is solidify your beliefs and values and solidifies it, not necess- and your opinion, but also your standpoint. And not for that other person, not for anyone but yourself. You become more sure of yourself in that when you go up against uh, an opposing view, especially in a conversation, you start to yeah. acknowledge, oh, shit, like this is, yeah, I, I do stand firmly. I, I knew I did. I just wanted to see if I was right. Yeah. So this has actually strengthened. And if you if you know if you if you're aware enough to reflect on the conversation too, if it's an mm. important enough conversation, then afterwards, if you reflect on it, then you can definitely identify where your views were strong enough to to hold their own in the argument, mm. um, or whether the other person was able to present something that that was contrary to what you think and what you've believed up to that point in time. Mm. And if you're humble enough and you're open enough, then you can adapt your point of view to uh, to what that the new information that you've just been presented with. And that's how you strengthen an argument. That's how you become more confident in what you believe and what you value. I um, It's funny, I know for me personally, I when I went through family dramas, it totally that was like the the precipitating event that totally changed my approach to my own life and how I what I thought was important in the world and I truly started to understand the need to have some kind of philosophical base from which to decide what I liked and what I didn't like in the world that's probably a lot but I needed to I needed to find something and I, I turned to spirituality to get a, a fundamental basis for how I make decisions, how I look at the world, how the world can make a bit of sense to me so that when I find myself in particular situations or circumstances, I know how I want to, how, well, how I want the outcome to go because I'm in control of it because I get to make the decision on what happens next. I get to be a bit more in control of the outcome. Free will. I do have the free will to be able to do that, but I needed the... I needed the shake up. the shake up to show me that I, I value my own autonomy. Because you did have a lot of questions. I did. You and you just did you didn't know why, but by seeking and learning a little bit about and just following your curiosity into philosophy mm. and spirituality, you're like I don't know why I'm curious. I'm just going to start reading this book because thing. And then a little more and more, you understood what you needed from that yeah and, and you understood why you were asking so many questions you started to understand yourself a bit more well, because you've it. always been asking questions yeah and, and and if you can find if you ask those right questions and then you start to get answers about yourself and they make you feel more it's like, it's like when you know when you find the truth I know oprah calls it an aha moment <laughs> um when you hear something that just resonates, resonates. so deeply with you yeah. and you're like, this makes so much sense. It feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's an awesome feeling. And when you can get multiple feelings like that, as you learn more and as you ask more questions and you start to develop yourself as a person and your, your, your philosophical foundation, um, it makes you more confident in opinions that you have. And what happens around you, you're more confident in what questions you think are necessary to ask and to learn. Mm-hmm. So I value my autonomy. So if something happens uh, that is challenging that, I want to know what is happening and why it's happening. Mm-hmm. And so those are the base questions that I start to, to look to get answers to. Yeah. And it's because I, I need those because that is a value of mine that's being challenged. And so I want to understand why. 
And I think it's really important that we establish a foundation of values in ourselves mm. that helps us be more confident in who we are as people. And so when we get to have a conversation, we can be more comfortable and confident in portraying our, our opinions and our points of view. Mm. Like I said, this, uh, for me, the, it was obviously um, going through a, a life-changing I guess, family dramatic event. Mm. Um, well, for, for me, it was For you, it was, it was a, you went through your depression. That was a big thing for you. It, Did it, you... it like turned the light on to the like because before like you said I was on you know you were unconscious to beliefs and values and any kind of foundation you didn't really understand things and it is it's this maturity thing you experience something something happens and it's those moments where most of us come to we come to these um we experience these events or it's usually just one big event that shakes our world so much that there's nothing else to do but to learn from it and to move forward and to start asking questions and to, to start changing uh, and re, uh, redefining things and realigning ourselves with our truth and us. And you have those deep questions. It's those, that's an existential kind of experience. And a lot of people go through that in life, you know, whether yeah. it doesn't at any age, but it, it is a sense of maturity because once you do that, you start to, walk a little easier through life things actually start to become easier to manifest start things start to become easier to understand and ex- not really understand but to accept yeah you learn to accept the world around you and it's it's a beautiful thing that happens so before i awoke <laughs> that's the that's the word everyone's thrown around these days but it's before that i didn't have i was so oblivious to what life meant, to what anything was about, to what I was about. I didn't know what I was doing. I was lost as anything. I was just a butterfly flying around to here, to there, to I just had no idea what I was doing. Unfortunately, butterflies have short lifespans, so no wonder you hit a wall. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, something happened. It shook my world. I started there I did start asking questions before I actually went overseas. What kind of questions were you asking? It, most the main question was what's my purpose? Purpose. The word purpose was uh, it was coming up in things that uh, are just around me in the movies I was watching and there was something that I wanted and I didn't know what quite what it was but I, and I knew that I couldn't find it at home in Melbourne. I, I knew I had to do something drastic to clear my head because I had to get away from anything that was um, familiar. I needed a clean slate to just see what I was capable of and to hear something that I couldn't hear before because when I was at home, I had family in my ear, I had friends in my ear, I had, there was a lot of... Yeah, routine. Yeah, it was routine. It was, it just, there was... I needed to get away from it. I needed a clean slate. So I went over. I started to live my life a little more with more autonomy, a little bit of independence I experienced. I was making decisions in my day that weren't someone else's. And I learned that. And I learned how to do that. And then I felt, oh, hang on. I can do something with this. There's something in me. I don't know what this is. And I started asking those questions. What is my purpose? Oh, my purpose. Oh, my God. It's a heavy word, but I wanted to 
figure it out. I needed to, I wanted to run with it. And I was very present when I was overseas and traveling. Obviously I hit a wall of shit. I can't actually do this. And I'm not going to go into it again because I've explained it, but I hit a wall, came home and experienced depression it was so weird though because I didn't want it to rule my life even though it was in a way there was still a part of me that was there was a light on and it was looking at it like there's just notice what's going on notice what's happening did you still have the overarching desire to just to find your purpose that's what the light was the light was you have purpose you are worthy of this life. You are deserving. That's what it was saying, and that was what it was. It was shining that light on me. But I wanted to do it. I didn't. No one else could really get to that light. I had to choose to open up the space for that light to to shine brighter. So <laughs> that was the question. And you know, I've been asking that question for so long. I've been following a little bit more and taking life, taking steps to figure out what I want. Most of the, Everything's been drawn. Like all the decisions, all the everything that I've that I've really experienced, has been based on human connection, conversation, relationships, and helping in a way, but with a sense of spirituality. What I felt that connection to divine, to source, just that thing that I felt that light that was on. It was more than just a physical experience. It was something internal. It was something divine. And I was like, this is going to be be part of what I'm going to be doing. And I just kept following that and taking steps toward that. Have you found, I guess, what your purpose is or how you have purpose? What's your stance on purpose and yuja today? It's funny because it, today I think it's just how I go about. It's not the career I take. Yeah. It's how I live my life. That's my purpose. You have purpose. <sighs> That's nice. <laughs> yeah. So it's not exactly what I thought purpose was is what you do in terms of your job. But over time, I've learned that it has nothing, it not, doesn't have, that is something to do with it, but it's how you, how you are in that, in that job, how you are in life, how you wake up, what you do in the morning, what you do at night, what you do in the middle of the day. Most of the time, it's what you do when no one's looking, that your purpose is just how you are in the moment in each moment it's being in your truth that's what purpose is it's just how you are in a moment it's beautiful Mm. and that obviously one of the the big parts of the biggest element of that is is truth right and that's what you're searching for when you when you're what, what is valuable to you who you are as a person that's it's it's just it's finding what's true to you and what is how that works yeah, rather than operates. what's expected of you and, how and you, what you think is your truth because and what when, you want to be your truth yeah. when you start to like do your own searching your own soul searching and you find what is truthful to you it allows you to somewhat take a, a step back from the seriousness of this human existence that you're in mm. and see your place in it in the bigger picture you learn to play with it yeah it's it, like a playground you start to learn to have fun yeah, life. you start to make a podcast and <laughs> buy stuff. Create and, a table. Yeah. Make art. 
it's truly empowering when you can find you, you can start to you don't have to find and it's not, it, it's not about because it, it is a lifelong journey yeah. it's not about asking a couple of questions reading a couple of books and finding th- some things that sound good no. it's it's taking what you learn this is what like my experience was because i read I read a lot of spiritual books and I did read philosophy and I, I did read a little bit of psychology um, and they all had an impact on me, how the writers wrote, what their theories were. A lot of it I definitely took with me and I, I looked to try and implement it into my life in some way, shape or form. What It culminated when I sat down and just decided to write and create something of my own. And when I did that, it was through creating that I actually integrated those theories and those other people's beliefs that I I liked. I was able to integrate that them. That aligned in, with you. Yeah, that aligned with me, exactly. Um, I was able to integrate those into something that was mine. Mm. And I was able to actually understand. influence it in my own personal way and put it in exactly in a way that I could understand. And... That was so empowering for me because it, I, through that, up until this up until this point in time, was able to discover something that was, it was the it's the basis for how I want to conduct myself. Like you said, purpose isn't necessarily about the job that you do or or something that you do. It's it's the way that you are. How that yeah, how you are. Yeah. In life. Yeah, and because I was able to to find something that was truthful to me it shaped the way that I wanted to conduct myself going forward in, in every aspect of my life and take charge and be accountable and be empowered. It was amazing. Mm. And I guess getting back maybe to the to having uncomfortable conversations, having that knowledge of who you are and having that knowledge of what is true to you and being empowered in that is what drives you to learn more about what it is that you want to have an opinion about learn more about other people and their their opinions mm. and understand seek first to understand before you make a judgment and that's one of that's that's one of my values is understanding the importance of understanding and so if it comes for me personally to one of those tough conversations where you're both sharing ideas that I don't agree necessarily with what you're saying but if I can understand the person that's presenting those ideas, then I'll have a much more profound respect for them yeah. and for those ideas. And so that's how... Because not everyone has to be the same as you. No, yeah. absolutely not. Everyone is different. That's it. But again, it, that's why it's my individual journey and this is how I approach mm-hmm. these things. Is that I want, I want to know the opinion. I want to know what it is that I'm disagreeing with. I want to know who it is that I'm disagreeing with and why I disagree m- with m- it. Most of the time, it's just for you. It's not for... You know, everyone takes their own experience for themselves. Yeah. Some people choose not to take it. They just be like, oh, that would just piss me off. And then they leave it and they put it under the table. Here's a really fun sort of example of this sure. that I experienced um, the other day. So, like I said, a lot of the way what I hold true and what I hold as valuable in my life, it has spirit. It's it's based in spirituality. When I lived with your family as I've said, and I got to hear and understand better the religious aspect of spirituality and what what Christianity actually is and the foundation of it. They're so similar. Mm. What I believe as in my spiritual views aligns so closely with that of Christianity. Mm. And so I was able to have uh, get a more profound respect for religion 
after having that experience with your family. And I think it's beautiful. I think the values are spot on. And it's what everyone... I do think everyone should have some kind of value structure, whether it's Christianity or religion or spirituality, whatever it is. Mm. Everyone should have some kind of basis for how they go about their lives because it just grounds you in something. But it also helps you to move through life and make decisions. Because if you know that there's a decision that you're... Just say you've got to make a decision about something and you're standing there and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, how do I make this decision? And you just have no idea. You're just lost. And you're literally like, I have no idea what to pick. If you have a system in place where it's what you value, what you believe, you can then look at those the decision that you're making and being like, okay, well, this doesn't really align with my beliefs and values. This one does. Yeah. So much easier. And because you know decisions. it, because imagine if, if you didn't know what it was that you valued and you're faced with the same decision and you're leaning a particular way on the response, your, your intuition but you don't know is. why. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't, and if someone questions you on it, you start getting really defensive about it because you can't actually justify why it is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like when you, if you question someone who's passionate and has a good foundation of why they believe something, you can get a really cool response. Yeah. Especially if you're open to hearing everything they have to say. But when someone doesn't really have a foundation for what it is that they're presenting to you, they very quickly get defensive. Yeah, because they're uncomfortable because they're like, shit, I don't know. I look stupid. Yeah. I know that I do. It's okay. Well, I mean, if you have a way that you want to live your life, I think even maybe take it back to politics a little bit. People gravitate towards a certain political ideology because it aligns with what they value. Mm-hmm. I find that with myself anyway, with myself personally. I, I value my autonomy. I value that I am a, I'm a human being. I'm an individual. I can have my own impact on the world. I can make my own decisions and do things the way that I want them to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like big government because the bigger the government gets, the more impact they get to have on your life and the more my autonomy gets taken away. Yeah. So I don't align with any political ideology or party that is seeking to increase the size of government. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's not because I just, you know, I've listened to other people talk about why it's bad. I, I mean, there's more things that have shaped my opinion on it, but I'm not going to go into that. But just from a, a personal value point of view, one of my values is my autonomy. Mm. And anything that is going to encroach on that autonomy, I, I'm going to naturally gravitate away from. But I know why I'm gravitating away from it. And it's because I know better what my values are. Mm. Because you, you intuitively we know we're drawn to you ha- you so have subconsciously. A... I'm I'm more intuitive when mm. that's why because this is a good okay. Because <laughs> okay, this is interesting. No, I think we both just have the same epiphany. But... I hope so. I hope I don't forget it because I think I've just forgotten it. No, so you when you had you sought out your value and belief system, yeah. right? You read certain things and you um, you sought out answers yeah. right you came at it at a i went and searched externally for what my truth was sure sure does that help um i think so <laughs> is that is that sort of what you're getting I think so. at? no i'm just saying like because you yeah so because when i went through my experience i didn't exactly go seek values and morals yeah. uh, values and beliefs sorry i was I was more in tune with what my body was telling me and spiritual and my spiritual connection, my intuition. And so I didn't exactly have written down, this is what I believe. Like you said, you believe in under, understanding something before um, 
I have an opinion have on an it. Opinion I make a judgment. On you make it. Yeah. So that not, I didn't necessarily have to write that down, or wrote, I didn't write down my beliefs and values on a piece of paper. I just, as I was going through my, I got so connected with my intuition where I just started trusting it because the decisions that I was making based on my intuition were aligning with me. Because if I felt good about something, it it was easier to choose. It was easier to choose and make decisions. You know, when you have two things in front of you, you're like, well, no, this one, it's clearly, you know, my intuition just knows. Yeah. Whereas with you, it's more, you have to come from it with more logical. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You have to have it. It's really interesting. Because I'm just thinking, because I was like, well, yeah, you do have to know your values and beliefs. But I was just thinking, I wrote it down here. I'm like, I have tried to do all those self-help stuff where they're like, write down your values and belief mm-hmm. systems and blah, blah, blah. I have never finished a fucking list Yeah. because it just, it doesn't, words, you know how I said I'm a visual learner. Mm-hmm. I'm a visual learner. I need, or I'm a kinesthetic learner. So I need to feel, I need to be a part, it has to be a visual kind of thing. Yeah. Words and reading and all of that doesn't click yeah. and doesn't sit well with me or it doesn't uh, sink in. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> me meditating, doing yoga, um, doing doing something physical that aligns. No, but it's true. Mm. I I could never finish a list. I I struggled writing down my list of beliefs and values yeah. because I was so connected with intuition that I I di- I didn't need it. I didn't need it written down. I I really wanted to trust myself, trust my instincts, trust my inner. In my energetic body because that's what I was most fascinated with. I was meditating at the time. I was doing yoga. And when I was connected, I I didn't need to write anything down. I was just living my life. Everything was happening easy. And when challenges happened, I could just move through them with grace, which is really interesting. It is interesting. I, because I haven't done a list as such. I developed, I've developed my own philosophy on life. Mm. And it's not necessarily a list, but it's from that philosophy that I can sort of draw upon to help me figure out who I am and why I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the words of others, whereas you've... And this, I think we... Did we speak about this in the last... Which one? Or did we, could, did we talk about this at the, in our two o'clock conversation about <laughs> the difference between you, who and you? You go... In, you're very internal. A lot of your processes are internal. Mine are external. And I don't know whether that's influenced or not, but I... I, I would I will experience something or hear something or read something that will really resonate with me mm. and it will help me it will using those words or that external source will help me if I if I reflect on it and think about it better understand my internal processes whereas for you you feel them from the inside out mm-hmm. does that make sense is that is that it's from I what think, you're saying I that's what that's, it seems like yeah that's what it seems like and that's why there is that difference in us where I like to watch and read and and write and whatever, because that all helps me make sense and yeah. piece life but, together. But I'm saying, like with the, like words and that kind of stuff. So like you read words, you um, you speak, you spoke words. You yep. know, you you talk out loud to kind of um, solidify your beliefs and values. Yep. Whereas for me, I don't need to pr- like. I feel like I don't need to kind of share that or prove it to anyone. It's something that's so, so personal that it stays within me, yep. and it's intuitive. Yep. And, you know, it is probably a really good idea to have that conversation and because I, I do know what my values and beliefs are. You know, I do write them down when I'm working on some sort of project yeah. or just to double check, you know, and usually it's fine that way. But I didn't I didn't learn those values and beliefs by 
externally seeking them. Yep. They were intuitively found. Yeah, absolutely. Really super powerful. And if you even just look at the way that we both find our peace, I do, I, I you, you go internally, you are a lot better at yoga and stopping and listening to your body and meditating and quiet, like quieting everything mm. and allowing yourself to flow. Whereas for me, I like to, I like to like hear things and I like to learn things because I can incorporate them into my personal philosophy. And because I know my personal philosophy, I'm confident, I'm comfortable with it. And that's how I feel peaceful. Mm. And so we both have a value system. We both just got to those value systems differently, differently. Yeah. but they're both how we can feel peaceful. And, and that's like, cause that's even another thing. I think that's what I was, I was going to talk about it, mention it before. Um, uh, I had a really awesome conversation with a Jehovah's Witness at work the other day. I've never, I've never spoken to a Jehovah's Witness personally. I didn't really know what religion they were, whether they were a branch of Christianity or they were their own separate mm. ideology. When you, because you know the term Jehovah's Witness, they're the the people that rock up on your doorstep and preach to you, and there's a negative connotation around all that because it's no one likes to be have ideas forced on them, mm. and it's so you get a negative belief or a negative idea about what a Jehovah's Witness is like. Fortunately for me, because I have, especially with this podcast and my own philosophies have changed over time, I want to understand, I want to learn about others, and I want to hear as much different, as many different perspectives as I can so that I can strengthen myself mm. with more ideas. So I, would, I just, I quietened that little ego voice in my head that was like, ugh, that was rolling its eyes when I heard Jehovah's Witness. Here we yeah. go. I'm going to cop an earful here. And I quietened that down and I just surrendered to the fact that I'm about to hear someone's perspective and I'm going to, I'm going to learn something, something here. Yeah. And it was such an amazing conversation. We, we were talking for hours at work. While I was working, um, uh, we, we were just talking about it. And she was sharing her um, Christian beliefs and, and, like, and where she gets those from and where it comes from and how they conduct their lives and what they believe in and what they, how they live. And I loved it. It was really beautiful. What, and then I, and she listened to me when I shared my own personal philosophies. What I found was they just aligned. Like I, like I was saying with your family, my spiritual values aligned so closely with that of the Christian values. And it's not for me to say that I'm Christian because I still don't class myself as Christian and I have my own reasons for that. But it was the same thing talking to this this lady who's a Jehovah's Witness, and I could understand the language that she was talking, mm. could understand where she was coming from, and even though we spoke differently and we conveyed our messages differently, we just agreed. We agreed on so much, and I respected that she used particular words, and she respected that I used particular words. And but it's one that, of those that's that acceptance, though, yeah, and that openness to hear someone's story and yeah. where they've come from. And that's that's what was so empowering in that conversation because I shared stuff with her that she hadn't thought of, and she shared things with me that I hadn't necessarily thought of, but was awesome food for thought for me too. And we both got something out of it. Yeah. And it's it's I just it's one it's an example of one of those conversations where. I'm not Jehovah's Witness. She's, she is. On that difference alone, it could be enough for us to not want to discuss our deeper philosophies. Yeah. But we were both able to separate from that and actually have a really, really cool conversation. It's mm. awesome. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's just, and that's the, oh, that's what I was, that's what I was getting to. So with me and you, you have an internal process that's gotten you to your values. I have a different process that's gotten me to very similar values. 
she had a very different process. They got her to the same values. That I, we we all walk different. different paths. Yeah. And we can still arrive at the same conclusions. And But that's... I really want to spread that message. And it's... I think that's... All that is, is just accepting that others are different. That, that their opinions come from their experience. That everything they do, the way they speak, the way they hold themselves, everything that they... The actions they take... The way they walk, everything is the product of the life that they've lived mm. for themselves. And just accepting that and not judging on face value just because you don't like one word they say or the yeah. fact that they swear or that this is how this is what they dress yeah. like. And those things, they're so superficial. You know, it's probably no thanks to social media because all we now look at is um, what people look like. Yeah. So we're just now, you know, we're all obsessed with makeup or obsessed with looking good filters and all of that it's a whole other thing i'm not going to go into it but it does make it has impacted our uh, our response to people mm. our judgments we're so judgmental i know i was i don't know when it was it was a few months ago and i it was after i read the judgment detox with um uh what's her name gabby bernstein gabby, yeah. yeah and i was like oh my gosh i I want to notice how much I judge. So this was before lockdowns. And I was like, okay, so as I was going about my day, I don't know if I was at work. No, I don't think I was at work. It was after work. And um, I went to the shop or I was just, we were just doing stuff. And I was just noticing how much I actually judged. Oh my gosh. I could not believe the things that were going on in my head that were just judging everyone. I was like, oh my gosh, that that has to change. Yeah. But just being aware of that really helped me because I'm like, all right. And then I'm, if so something comes up, I'm aware of it, let it go, think again, choose again. I'm going to choose another another thought, something nicer, just to replace. Where does that think? Where do you think that comes from? That that ju- that just propensity to judge. I, I don't know. I didn't even notice that I was doing it so much. So I'm saying social media probably has a big thing because it's identity. And it's what you look like and it's how you sound and what you do and it's all this face value cover shit. It's very not, conscious of very superficial. It's all so superficial. Things, yeah. And there were all the all the judgments were superficial. Yeah. You know, oh she really shouldn't be wearing that skirt. Or um, you know, stupid things yeah. that I don't actually think I'm like, whoa. Sometimes I just had to stop and be like, Excuse me. Mm. Where the hell did this come from? It was supposed to be a spiritual being and kind and generous and loving. Where is this coming from? And it just happened. It's quiet. Mm. It's this quiet little, oh, God. But it's it's funny because it does impact when you're not aware of it. Mm. It's ego. Ego, ego. It's and, insidious. And it takes over and then you can't have a decent conversation with someone because you're all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, I don't want to talk to you. No. Yeah. I'm going to go over here. Yeah, I think when you when you are confident and comfortable in your own, in your values and who you are and what what is true to you, you can really understand or you can comprehend the importance of a, someone else's point of view, especially if it's different to yours. Because mm-hmm. I do that. I'm like, if someone thinks differently to me, or if someone's got a different way of approaching this similar topic, I should I should try and understand that because it could be something that I'm missing out on if I don't engage. I could be missing out on something that could deepen my own beliefs. That's, that's wisdom. 
it's, you know, adding to your, <laughs> you're so wise. Honey. <laughs> no, but it is, that's a level of maturity. When you reach like a level of maturity, that's when you start to accept hmm. that deeper meaning of life and which is just wisdom, finding wisdom yeah. and uh, bringing in wisdom into your life as well and sharing. Because if we, when we open ourselves up, we become a vessel and a channel for you know, divine messages for divine words and kindness and love, infinite love. Yeah, it's also going through another, down another alley, but it is. You become that and you start, it's easier to accept yeah. someone in a conversation yeah. and it's easier to speak through your truth because you're open and you're allowing your truth to flow through. Yeah. And you're confident. Confident. You're comfortable. I was going to say confidence. And you're empowered. I think mm. that's probably the, the, the big sort of words. Um, so, like taking this, taking taking this whole exploration back to what we were talking about with approaching a difficult conversation. Mm. I I like having the difficult conversations, not because I like confrontation, but for that reason that I like I like knowing what it is that doesn't agree with me. I, I want to get to know something that doesn't like what I have to say, mm. or has a differing view on it. Um, so that I can come away from the conversation and reflect on whether or not what I've just learnt, if it aligns with what I what I truly value, um, and if it is a good if it is a good point that's been raised that I need to take into consideration, and then I can adapt my opinion, incorporating my new knowledge, and that way it'll strengthen what it is and where I'm coming from, and because I'm aware of a different a different approach now. It's easier to combat it. Absolutely. Um, so that's how I I can have more confidence, and that's I I really do believe that having a foundation to come from when it comes to formulating points of view and opinions on something, mm. um, you can have a much you can, you can have a much deeper uh, conversation. You can stand more sure-footed in your in yourself, yeah. just in general, you can stand in your power throughout life, and it's easier to combat things and challenges and to come up and face them. Yeah, because you know what the dis- the right decision is, and you know how it, it just comes when you have that. It's just easier to manage and life the, and the face t- like tough situations. Yeah, that's where it, it doesn't actually become that scary. Yeah, the fear it lulls. It's like it's because it's it's less of a it's less of a like a potentially negative outcome and it's more of just a, a necessary situation yeah do you know and what you're I mean? like yep you know what this is what's happening all right how do i deal with it you become just confident even though it's scary it's uncomfortable not scary but it's uncomfortable yeah it's easier to move through it because if you don't if you're not sure of yourself if you don't have that belief and value system and a challenge comes to you when you have no idea how it's different it's scary it's looming you're just like oh my god oh my god you shut off you're fearful. You either run, or you struggle getting through it. Yeah. So. But if you if you look instead of what what this experience, what this challenge is going to bring to your life, mm. regardless of what the outcome is, mm. you can ground yourself within that, and that's how you can. That's where courage comes from. It's where when you you know yourself and you trust yourself and you believe in yourself and what you stand for, it makes those fearful situations a lot easier to navigate because mm. there is something for you to gain out of it. And that's when you that's where you display courage. 
And that's sort of super, really, really important. Yeah, moving through your vulnerability. Because that's where growth happens. Yeah. That's the only way growth happens. Growth doesn't happen by doing things that are comfortable. Growth comes with doing things that are uncomfortable and moving through difficult situations with some dignity yeah. and, yeah, courage. You, you, you have to stand for something when you're moving through challenges. Yeah. You can't just fight something. You have no idea why you're fighting it. And I feel like that, that happens often. And we have an argument and you don't even know where, where it's come from. If you're not ready for it, if you're not present and aware that you're having an argument that could actually help you in your, um, in your belief system or if in your life in any way, shape or form, if you're not aware of that, you could just get angry, more angry, emotion, yeah. ego, and could, you know, do something really stupid. And that's because your position's not bolstered in, it's not grounded in some kind of foundation. Yeah. Because, you know, conversations come up and sometimes it is a heated argument that happens and you might not be ready for it. And, and that's fine. But if you're grounded, if you have that, oh, okay, it's challenging. And if you have that inner voice going, this is a lesson, what is it teaching me? Yeah. Then you can better stand up for yourself. You can have the argument, conversation, argument, conversation, debate, whatever you, whatever's going on. And you can learn from it. Because that's where you preface it with, if, especially if it's not something that you're versed in. Mm. You just preface it with, hey, it's, it is interesting. I have no experience or idea about this. Honesty. So, <laughs> just being honest. I, mean, I, I, wanna, I, I, would like, I want to talk about it because I do think it's important, but I don't know a lot about it. Mm. So That's I'm not, courage as well. I'm not going to present an opinion. But I will, I will look at it from the lens of my experience, mm. and so I can, I can talk to you about how, what, whatever it is that you're saying, how that Im- impacts on me, mm. and that's how we can have a, com- I can have a conversation with you from there. But I'm going to look at this as learning what it is that you have to say because you know more about it than I do. Yeah, and that's courage in itself to admit that you don't know a lot because that's a, it's a vulnerability, something. isn't it? You're immediately, like, you're relinquishing the much. power of the conversation yeah. to the person who knows more, mm. and. That's it is a it is kind of like rolling over and showing them your belly a little bit. Yeah. But you take your power by explaining your position to them. Mm. Um, because there is something to be learnt in in a lot of conversations, and that's why conversations need to be had and discussions need to be had because there is something for both sides to take from it. I just feel like more than ever, this people are talking about how hard it is to have a conversation about COVID and having a conversation about what's ha- well, just generally what's happening. This year, people just want to 2020 to be over. They don't realize that it's going to be 2021, 2022, and, and onwards. We don't know. There's no end thing. So we have to talk about it so we can help each other move through it. Mm. So we can hold each other's hands and be like, okay, obviously we'll sanitize before. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, it is. It does help us move through this challenge a little easier, even though there isn't an end date. Yeah. And we're just together and that we can, we can disagree. Yeah. on COVID and the situation, but we can actually deepen our connection to each other in spite of our disagreement. Because we can, we can encourage the value that we all have on this earth. We can encourage that because everyone is valuable. Yeah. They, have a, they have a purpose. Everyone is on this earth and everyone is valuable. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on this earth. Everyone's experience is valuable and... That's why we need to, we do need to respect that we are here beside one another. Mm. Um, 
I don't want it that to be confused though with just because we're on this earth, it doesn't mean that all our contributions are of equal value. The fact that we are here means that we all have purpose here, like what you were saying. And because we have a purpose here, there is value in that. Mm. But our contributions are, are, are all different. Oh, there are. They are yeah. all different. So, because the thing is, even if you come across people that aren't very nice, they're still there. That's yeah. their purpose, yeah. and you're part of that At purpose. At that point in time. At that point mm-hmm. in time, that's your experience. That's your purpose to move to work through that. Yeah. The karmic balance. You know, you get to have good and bad. We have good and bad. We. <laughs> You know, it's that's another thing, but everything's a lesson. Yeah. Everything's a lesson, and we've got to accept that. Absolutely. Um, is there anything more that you wanted to talk about in this conversation, or I really wanted to talk about just being aware, just having that awareness in a conversation. So noticing you, if you do feel comfortable, uncomfortable in a conversation, and you're getting a bit emotional or heated because I know that I do, and I my body starts to shake and tremble and my voice starts to shake and I start, I feel like I'm losing my way, but I'm not. It's just, that's a muscle that I haven't yet strengthened. Yeah. I haven't strengthened it enough because, you know, when you were exercising and you're doing a new, uh, a new pose or a, a new exercise and your, your muscles are shaking and you, it's just, you're just strengthening that part of your muscle. It's the same. Yeah. The whole body is just vibrating when I'm in a heated conversation because I'm not used to it. It's, it's somewhat like training yourself to become accustomed to being challenged. Yeah, because it's in a different way now. Now that I know myself so much more, this year has changed me and no one's been around to see that. The scary thing is talking to people after this, after mm. all this has happened. I think that's... Most of the conversations I've had about COVID, especially with my family, I have found myself trembling with, uh, what would you call it? It's intimidation a little bit, I think, yeah. maybe. It's, well, I get, yeah. well like, like we said, it's, it's a fear of, you know, being rejected mm. for the new, as, as the new person, mm. as the changed person on what they That's last it. knew you to be. Yeah, because I, I am, I'm not the person that, I was a year ago and I'm not the person that I was even six months ago. I have changed dramatically and I haven't noticed that until I do have a conversation with someone that I know very well because I'm like, shit, like, oh my God, my values have changed. Everything's changed. My beliefs, like they think that I still like this or they think that I'm still like this, but I'm, I'm not at all. You know, I'm the youngest, but doesn't mean that I don't know any less. This links back perfectly to what we we're talking about, like right early on in this episode about um, uh, how you can have a, you, you can get to know someone over a period of time, and then and then when you have that time apart from each other, yeah, and then someone undergoes a transformation in the meantime while you're living your life. The yeah. next time you come together, it's like, well, they're totally different, yeah, yeah. Like, and and some people can adapt to, with that change and, and accept it, and or... accept it, or some people can, it can be too much for them, and it doesn't align with their views yeah. and their values at that, at that point at in time. That point in time, yeah. But I think it's I think it's a it's a definitely that's a really good message um, about the awareness of what your body what's happening in your body yeah. when you're in a challenging situation and, yeah. because it's communicating with you. And you also if you are feeling uncomfortable, you are allowed to say that to someone. You know, just just be transparent. Just be honest in what's going on as well. Being like, you know what, I need to take a minute or and just gather your thoughts and just be aware of what's going on. Or Whatever climb over the table and throttle them. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we deal with our. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, definitely, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, totally. I think, I think I think that's probably brought this conversation to a nice round close. Mm. Thanks so much for sharing your time with me, Yush. Thank you, my love. 
Thanks for sharing your time with us. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any thoughts regarding the conversation today or just want to get in touch and share your experience, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram at Logan and Yuja or send us an email at loganandyuja at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and until next time with infinite love.